from News Hub, it's the Fierce Fitness Podcast with Nats Levy. Expert health advice to help you live your best life. Hey, welcome to the first episode of the Fierce Fitness Podcast. Today we are talking the ins and outs of collagen, probably a term that you've heard a lot about and we want to know, is it legit? Is it a hoax? Do we all have to have it? And today's expert is a lovely lady named Lisa Gray, who's the clinical manager and lead researcher for Be Pure Clinic. She is a lady who has many qualifications to her name, and she specialises in hormonal well-being, mental health, gut health, and women's well-being. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Nats. Collagen. Collagen seems to have taken over social media definitely over the last couple of years, and we get so many questions about whether the supplement is something we should all be on, whether the, the I guess, the gains and the benefits that come from collagen are legit, and what exactly is collagen in our body and why do we need it? So why don't we start with, what is collagen? Great question. So collagen is a structural protein. It's um, something that we find in our tendons and ligaments, we find it in our bones, we find it in our skin, and it accounts for about 30% of all the protein structures in our entire body. There are to date uh, 28 known forms of collagen, of which um, type 1s, 2 and 3 are the most well-known. Type 1 makes up 90% of all the collagen in our system, and it's predominantly found in our skin, tendons and ligaments. It is um, definitely a real thing, and it's something that we can get from our food, and I think the uh, paleo industry have done a great job of introducing it to the market through bone broth, because collagen is a component of bone broth. And they've kind of um, reintroduced the idea of eating nose to tail, which includes uh, the food sources that contain more collagen. So if you're thinking about our common, I guess, dietary recommendation in Western society, we would normally eat your typical maybe meat and three veg. And we've kind of lost the use of, you know, the whole nose to tail application where we might not eat our broths. We might not have soups that are made from the carcasses. We might not include the skin or the chicken's feet like you might do in Asian cultures. And um, with those foods not being included, we do lose um, this collagen from our diet, which does balance out a number of the amino acids in our system that we need for overall health and well-being. That is so interesting because in my research, before we were going to talk about this topic, I just kind of Googled collagen mm-hmm. and it did say that collagen's not not new. For centuries, Asian cultures have been using this in their food and um, using exactly as you talked about, like as a broth and using those cartilaginous, cart, is that even a word? Cartilage, parts made of cartilage yep, and eating it. <laughs> so, um, and I know that now we're, we're seeing collagen as being beneficial for skin, for inflammation, um, to look younger, to really um, age well, kind of that fountain of youth philosophy. Can we just eat the food to get enough collagen or is it actually a supplement we should be on to top up our levels? Yes, it depends on how you really look at that. So you're thinking about classical uh, ancient societies that would have used nose to tail. There was no reason to get rid of those things. It was extra food to have on the table. You want to salvage what you've got. You don't want to waste food. Um, So you would have used everything that you had and we would have had a diet that would have been a bit more rich in those things. And if you're prepared to go with the, well, extra in my diet is super helpful, I'm going to add more bone broth in, I'm going to go back to cooking nose to tail, I'm going to eat the skin of the chicken. Um, that's a great way to kind of go about it. But if you really are chasing, 
I guess, a direct application from that collagen. Like you're thinking, well, I really want to improve my skin health or I really want to improve my joint health. You're probably better off to decide to take a targeted collagen source to guarantee you're getting it. Or if you're someone that's like, man, I live in modern society. That's too hard. (laughs) Like I can't be bothered doing that on the daily. It's just not part of my regime. I don't want to include it. Then a collagen supplement can be a great way to go. Yeah, and that's because that leads to my other question. Can we, like if we're taking a supplement and definitely it's very popular now when I speak to clients and I speak to people in fitness or invested in wellness, they just want to take a pill. (laughs) Can we take a pill and say, hey, pill, um, can you please go and fix the scar on my left hand? Does it work like that or Mm. do we get... Do we not get to dictate where it's used? Not at all. I mean, the, the whole body is interconnected. There's no way that you can singularly target one organ or one system. Science likes to do it because when you're doing a scientific scientific intervention, you really want to make sure that you're changing one variable. Everything else stays constant. So you often get to have to a, sort of a, a viewpoint that gets really narrowed in on something to go X plus Y equals Q. But when you're looking at the human physiology, you're like, well, X plus Y could equal Q, but then if you throw an A and B, then get Z. And then if you have Z, you might have the influence of Q and Z as well, but then you might be looking at S and T being part of the equation. So the outcome's mm, undetermined, and science doesn't like that, so you end up with that kind of mentality of thinking. And humans do the same as well. You know, we get taught when we're little, black, white, right, left, up, down. We don't get taught a little bit, kind of to the left, but maybe sort of towards the front. I want you to go obliquely towards sort of that left-ish corner, but it's not quite left. It's sort of slightly off to the right. It just makes the human brain confused. We like boxes. We like that kind of structured application so that we can um, put things in places for memory storage. And when you add that maybe if what gray area, it makes things really hard to interpret and understand. So I can understand why people have got their brains to that space, but when it comes to overall physiology, you have to look at every single system and how it interconnects and going X plus Y equals Z just doesn't apply. It can get really confusing, a little bit like that alphabet soup that you just described. Um, I guess the other thing that's really confusing is that with collagen and what's on the market, um, it's really hard to sometimes decipher which one should we be taking. So I know that there's bovine type, there's the porcine type of collagen, but then I've also heard that to make the collagen integrated into our body and for our body to accept it, it needs to have other cofactors as well when taking collagen for it to work. Is there truth to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the research around collagen... uh it sort of doesn't suggest yet that any form is better than another. Um, porcine, bovine or marine, no one's really quite sort of ciphered off which one's the better source. What the research does show is it must be in a peptide form and it needs to have a low Dalton level. So that relates to the molecule size and weight for it to be absorbed. So in the market, there are collagens that have a Dalton level um, that's between 2,000 and that would be kind of your optimal. Smaller molecule size, easier for absorption, faster absorption route goes to where it needs to be quite quickly. And there are some studies that show that it absorbs within 15 minutes, which is quite impressive. But then you've also got, um, I guess, collagen products in the market that have a Dalton level that might be 10,000 to 15,000. So you're looking at a really large molecule that won't go into the system, and that really matters um, in terms of your bioavailability and actually getting the benefit of it and getting it into the system. So if it's too big, we can't use it. Mm -hmm. So how can we tell from products that we're buying if we've got the right size peptide molecule, is that the right way to phrase it, Um, for our bodies to make sure that we're getting value for money? Totally. So those that are doing their homework and really care about the collagen industry and making sure that the consumer's getting what they need to in alignment with the science, they should, in theory, tout their Dalton level on their bottle 
um, or you should be able to get the information from the website or from them themselves. Be able to call up and say, hey, you know, do you have the bioavailability records on your collagen? Is it easy to get on board? Is it the right one for me? And if they don't have the information, then I wouldn't trust them. And so is it fair to say if you're buying something that doesn't have the right Dalton level, you're just wasting your money? Nah, I don't think it's totally a waste of money. Um, but I would say if you're going to go for bang for your buck, yeah, definitely go for something that's been researched, it's aligned with the science, you know it's going to work. Otherwise, you might as well just go back to bone broth. Okay, good point. And so, I mean... Just um, for people that don't know bovine porcine, because that took me a wee while to figure it out. It's like cow, pig, marina's fish. Cow, pig, fish, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Between those three varieties, is there one, like do they offer different benefits? Does it all kind of distill down to this collagen if it's the right size that can be used in that structure of our body? Yeah, so research would say that the size is the most important thing. Um, That said, marine is probably, in my opinion, the better of the three. Um, and that's to do with the sourcing and the cleanliness, so the lack of toxins inside the product. It largely comes from the skin and the bones of the fish, which is really easy to extract. And it's largely type 1, which is the predominant um, collagen form we know about and is more prevalent in the system. You do get more of the type 2s in your porcine and in your bovine forms. What about vegans? In terms of like, is there a source for yeah. vegans? Um, so vegan collagen doesn't really exist in nature in the sense that plants don't have collagen. Collagen is an animal byproduct. We have it as do every other mammal species. The vegan products in the market are trying to mimic the amino acid profile of a collagen itself and try and replace the, the nutrients you would get from another collagen product without having to go into an animal derivative um, no harm done, it's just not collagen. Okay, okay. So kind of so if I was to make sense of what I can see, I guess, in the supermarket now, it's kinda of like that um that synthetically made meat, which is not actually a meat, but it's sort of replicating the protein. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've gone in and gone, hey, collagen contains glycine, hydroxyproline and proline, a bunch of other amino acids in a different ratio. Let's kind of put them all together and make it look like collagen. It's not really collagen, but we've made it look like collagen so you can have the benefits of the amino acids. Okay, that's great. That's very informative. I love your big words. They're always amazing. Um, So you've kind of talked about types of collagen, um, which is really cool. If I, you know, as I age, I'm very aware that my own body stores of collagen um, will be breaking down Mm. and that I'll need to probably look if I want to keep skin health and keep it glowing and keep all the claims that it does, look at using collagen. Is there anything else that we you know, we can guarantee we benefit from from taking a collagen supplement. Yeah, I mean, collagen synthesis in the body is very dependent on vitamin C. And vitamin C is a nutrient that our body chews through really quickly and we don't have stores of it. It is essential. This is a large reason why nutritionists are like, yo, you know, those tomatoes, those carrots, those vegetables, we ask you to eat at every meal. There's a reason for it. They contain vitamin C and we need to replenish our system quite regularly. Um, Unlike mountain goats that, actually make their own sauce, which is quite fascinating. They make their own vitamin C? Yeah. That is amazing. Pretty impressive little things. That is impressive. So if someone, like I've heard things such as cellulite reduction, I've heard things like um, bone strength, digestive health, even heart health and mental health. Yeah. Is there substantiated evidence to support these claims? Yeah, so most of the evidence is um, around joint health, so osteoarthritis being a big part of that picture. There is research around skin health in general, not cellular in particular, but generally wrinkles and ageing being the big part of the equation. And then there is some uh, preliminary research around exercise recovery and also potential for it being um, assisting in, I guess, uh, our... 
uh, assisting in weight loss, so helping with insulin sensitivity, and that's to do with the amino acid profile in it. The rest of it is questionable in terms of science, but then if you're going based on anecdotal evidence, so stuff that you would do where you go, hmm, N equals 1 is the best experiment, me plus collagen equals what outcome? Ah, equals this, cool. No science behind it yet, but it worked. That's amazing. So I think until there's science behind it, you can't really say X plus Y definitely equals Z. But um, given that collagen is a large part of our entire system, there would be definitely indication that research could be done in that area to say, yes, it would. So in terms of products on the market, if I did want to, say, go and target my skin Mm -hmm. over something else, um, should I be looking for not only that size of the collagen particle to make sure my body's using it, but should I be looking at something that's a little bit more um, prevalent in type 1 as opposed to a type 5 in terms of the collagen? Can you work and specify supplements like that? You can kind of, yeah. I would say type 1 would be where I would go with it. I would go more towards the marine. Even the bovine and peptide form has enough type 1 to be beneficial. Um, and I think the other thing you really want to watch out for is the dosage range. The dosage range does matter. There is a dose-dependent approach to all supplements. It's not about the ingredient. It's also about how much, and that minimum dose effect does matter for getting the results you're chasing. So most of the research is around 10 grams of collagen. So products out there that are in capsule form that have got like 300 milligrams, you're like, really? Do you need more? Yeah, you do. Okay. Um, so the minimum would be you need at least 10 grams for it to be effective. Yeah. And ideally the supplement that you will take if you want to take some collagen supplements should be one dosage should be the equivalent of about 10 grams of collagen. Yeah. Great. Because the other thing that sometimes I do, and I know I'm not alone here, is I go, oh, more must be better. That's just the philosophy I have with <laughs> life. So rather than just take one pill or one dosage, I'm like, I'm going to take five. Can we <laughs> overdose with collagen? Um, today I haven't seen so uh, if you're using just straight collagen, like there are other things that go into collagen products that do aid with preventing the process of inflammation, which is associated with like skin degradation, joint degradation. So it's really targeted at rebuilding things rather than preventing from breaking down. Um, so there is just a straight collagen. You can actually increase the dose. And there are certain professionals out there like um, Chris Masterjohn, who's a master's degree in nutrition, would recommend having a certain ratio of collagen powder to meat-based protein across the day. And um, that's because of one of the amino acids in collagen, glycine. Um, he's looking to balance out glycine to methionine ratio for health benefits, which we would have traditionally done with a nose-to-tail diet. But with the um, higher meat diet we have in modern society, we are getting more methionine and not enough glycine and there are a number of benefits to glycine itself. Um, So he believes that there's definitely a ratio to be balanced out of which the glycine um, intake range can be from 10 to 60 grams a day. That's kind of what he's sort of showing. So very fascinating. It is. So I guess, I mean, what I'm understanding from our chat and because I'm really into taking all I can to get myself (laughs) into a place of health and to, um, as I get older, age really well, also, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, I need to look out for the size of the molecule. I need to double check that to make sure that my body can use it. Um, I definitely look, need to look at the dosage within one serving and make sure that it's enough, that it's effective. Mm-hmm. And then I also, I well, what I particularly noticed was that the marine collagen, um, for what I want, my goals with skin health, is more ideal. 
Okay, great. Um, are you ready for our um, slightly cynical section where we have um, viewers and <laughs> listeners and people that are on social media email in their questions? We like to call it Skeptic Sam. Um, and if you do have a question for any of our topics that are coming up or you'd like to suggest a topic for Fierce Fitness Podcast, the email for that is Fierce Fitness, F-I-E-R-C-E, Fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, at newshub.co.nz. So some of the questions that have come in Ah, and we have covered it a lot, but let's just go over them again. Um, is collagen just for glowing skin? No, in summary. No, in summary. No, we, we realise it's for a lot more. And the other question that we did have was, can I eat my collagen or do I have to supplement? Yeah, so yes, you can. You can definitely eat your collagen, bring in your bone broths, have more of that nose to tail, you know, get on board with those chicken feet. If you're not really into them, then I would say definitely add a collagen powder in. So another question that came through Instagram, um, it's actually quite relevant to life. Uh, when I cook a roast chicken, there's always this jelly and oil-like substance at the bottom of the pan the next day. Is that collagen and can I eat it? Yeah, it's gelatin, gelatin and fat and gelatin is does contain collagen. So I could just lick that all up and be getting my collagen dosage that I need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For okay. sure. All right. There's a, there's a new ritual going into my daily for breakfast now. Bring it on. One of the other questions that came through Instagram, which is really funny, was, is this a waste of money? Uh, yes and no. So there are products out there that I'm like, wow, it's really expensive and the dose is so low and you'd probably have to drink the entire bottle to get a benefit from it, even in one serving. And then there are other products out there on the market. I'm like, yeah, that is totally worth the investment. That's a great addition to your diet. Okay. Um, someone else has had, this is overseas, so someone who lives in Germany actually, mm-hmm. had a DNA test which told her her collagen is low. Is that possible? Yeah, so there are, there are genetics that are implicated in glycine um, utilisation, but also in collagen production as well. Um, genetics are really interesting. So if you can imagine that the human body has a genetic code and it's like a recipe book that sort of dictates what recipes you can and cannot make. But the epigenetics, which is in response to your environment, how you function and what you eat, is sort of what recipes you're making out of that book and how you're making them. So uh, genetics is part of the equation, but the environmental context in which you you are in will determine whether those genes are working well or not working well. The other side of that is genetics and isolation isn't really a great image of overall health because genetics work together as a team. So you'll find that if one system's like, yeah, I'm not working so well, it'll have a sister or a buddy that's like, I work super well. And I'm going to counterbalance, you're not working too well. So I think it's really interesting. And you're looking at like, um, I guess, genetics being an implication for nutrition. There are definitely inborn deficiencies. And this is where um, the likes of Richard Lord's work around organic acids has come in. And they've been looking at urine metabolites, the breakdown of certain things in the human body, to see where there might be really high excretion of some metabolites to look for genetic deficiencies in children to mitigate certain diseases. Um, but in adults, we're looking at genetics. I'm like, you've functioned well up until now. <laughs> is that really going to change the equation lots? Um, or is it just a matter of you, us using this information to hone you back in on, yeah, eat well, exercise well, use whole foods, sleep well, don't stress too much, and maybe there's some information around what might be better products or supplements for you to take. I feel like there's a whole other topic yeah, in what you just totally. said. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> One of the other questions that I've had is um, someone who's been taking it for two years has noticed a difference in skin, hair, and nails, nothing proven. But she's like, I can't tell if it's the actual product or it's that placebo effect where I just believe that it's working for me. Uh, is that a common thing with supplements? Yeah, I mean, placebo 
shows is 60% efficacy and it happens in medications as well. Um, and the biology belief is really powerful. So if you believe something's going to work, it will work for you a large chunk of the time. And I mean, even there's tons of studies around this with people recovering from illnesses. Believing is a big part of the outcome for people. There is definitely science behind a lot of supplements. So there's definitely efficacy that says, yes, this will work. But I think the placebo effect is something that we should all channel. It, mm. If I could put it in a pillow, I would. I Do you know what? Would. I think there's another topic <laughs> for the podcast right there. Um, so that was all the kind of cynical type, oh, can you make sure you ask the expert this, questions that we had. If people do want to get in touch with you, I've got your Instagram handle as at the prescription kitchen. So it's T-H-E underscore prescription underscore kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's correct? That's yeah. All right. So Lisa Gray, clinical manager and lead researcher of BPure, thank you so much for joining us in our inaugural podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Fierce Fitness Podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review? For more, you can visit newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.